I am Sam J. Jones, Flash Gordon. Okay. Oh, okay. excuse me. That's okay. It's been a long day. <laughs> the dome always does that to me. Okay. It's good to be seen. It really is. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. Can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye by Saturday night. If you're listening to us in Berlin live right now, it's three in the morning. What are you doing? Hello, Nebula Award winners, and welcome to TalkCast 245, just another attempt to fill your mind with what passes for nonsensical science fiction. Deep in Area 51, on sub-level 664, Pangalactic, Null G, Masters and Johnson Certified Cooking School, I'm the man with de-icing fluid in my arteries, called The Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, the usual suspects, the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Contessa of Sparklies and Stuff, Vice Princess of Rhetoric, our own girl genius, Griana. Funashi! I don't even want to know. <laughs> From the stats of her personal calm space in the dank dungeons, only indoor zen and vegetable garden, which doubles as a robot reading room, it is Zombrarian. Usually Please. I have more time than that. You, you could have <laughs> no, just extended mine and gone yashi nashi, and you'd been fine. No, usually I have more time than that to hit the unmute button, but I was drinking and things happened. Ah, what are you drinking is the question. Nothing. (laughs) Then she wasn't actually drinking, it was just an excuse because... Because it was probably Malcolm, you know. Malcolm! Our guest tonight, Joni, is the second half of the show and probably going to snark with us through the new segment, is John P. Murphy, a short fiction writer that we came across whose work I kind of really like. But before we get started with tonight's show, on the run-up to Granite Con, I give you Zombrarian. And I am going to introduce to you Chris, the small human wrangler, Prue. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Going on? How you doing, Chris? Good, good. So, we're three weeks away? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, just under. It's getting, uh, getting scary here. It's, uh, it really is. Yeah. And you have some announcements for us tonight. Yes. Yep. Uh, breaking news. Uh, we're excited to have uh, the one, the only, Flash Gordon, Sam Jones, joining us for the show this year. Uh, he stole the show in TED and is now uh, in the process of filming TED 2 with Mark Wahlberg. And um, he's going to make his way up to the show uh, that weekend, and uh, we're excited to have him. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was so much fun last year when we interviewed him. I can't wait to see him in New Hampshire. Uh, are they actually filming now? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I think they uh, they did a big casting call recently for uh, for cosplayers, and uh, so they're kind of in the uh, 
in the thick of things. So. Cool. And if there's anything I've learned from living in Boston, it's that Bostonians love their Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. They do. <laughs> Why? Dunno, but they love him. Hey, God. somebody's got to. Somebody it? does have to, and it's Boston. And it's mm-hmm. the entire city. Yeah. So what yeah, else yeah. happened this week? What else happened this week? Well, we put together our, uh, our panel schedule, which is going to go live tomorrow. Uh, we put together all of our games and stuff that's going to go live tomorrow. So we've got Magic the Gathering, we've got Hero Clicks, and we've got video gaming and all kinds of wonderful stuff that's happening up on the website. Uh, we sold out of all of our artists and dealer tables uh, this week, uh, which is pretty cool because we actually added an additional 50 tables over wow. the last year. So um, Holy crap. Yeah so, yeah, so it's pretty nice to uh, say that we sold out again. So. Yeah. And, and pre-sales for all the special events is going well as well. Yep, yep. We have, uh, you know, we have the Saturday night Game of Thrones uh, theme party. Uh, we're kicking things off with a free event uh, Friday night at the uh, JD's Tavern, which is in the hotel. Uh, it's a karaoke uh, themed event. Um, but yeah, so it, you know, um, tickets and everything are going well, so it's uh, it's looking really good. So can we have one more time, because we haven't pimped it out enough yet, <laughs> mm-hmm. the dates, the time, and the place? All right. The dates are September 13th and 14th at the Radisson Center in Hampshire in downtown Manchester, uh, primarily running from 10 o'clock on um, each day. Um, there's going to be events that run into the wee hours on Saturday, uh, Sunday wrapping up around 5, so... Uh, there's going to be plenty of things going on around the hotel. I think this year we have pretty much the run of the entire hotel this year. So, As well as most stuff. of the rooms at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> as well yep. as most yep. of the room. And mm-hmm. and there's there's easy parking. It's it's not expensive parking. Uh, it's not an expensive entrance. It's mm-hmm. bigger than it's ever been. And we're running into the same problem that Boston's running into at this point, which is where do we go next year? Where do we put all the people? Yeah. 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 It's a horrible so thing to have to think about. I know. You know, it's one of those good problems to have. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's rather than, it's better than sitting there and, you know, crickets yep. in the background. So. No crickets so far. No crickets nope. so far. Are there mm-hmm. any special artists or anything coming in? Some, some, somebody that you're hiding and that we can talk about? Any, any special announcements? Yeah. Artists more than anything. Artists? Else. Yeah. Uh, we, we haven't uh, brought in any additional artist guests, uh, but I'm pretty psyched about the ones that we have uh, so far. So, um, yeah, we've got some special events going on with them. We're going to have a Doctor Who panel with some of the, some of the guys that worked on the comics. Uh, we've got the Sketch Off, which is always kind of fun. It's an audience uh, participation event, uh, kind of challenging the artists on the panel. So, and there's a, also a kids' edition as well. So, that was uh, really fun last year. And one of the cool things, too, is that this is a really, for the most part, kid-friendly event. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, so. we actually have a, a whole kids, a kids' con. It's, like, not on the main floor because it's off to the side, so it's, like, nice for a break area for kids to go and, like, do a coloring contest or kind of make their own comics, do some drawing, they get some meet and greets with uh, some of their favorite characters, so that's, you know, included in the whole thing, and 
getting under six, get in for free. So. so mommy's going to get Flash Gordon to feel her boobs and maybe sign them. <laughs> you, Timmy, sit here and color quietly. <laughs> Can't imagine that happening. Hmm. <laughs> Could happen. Hey, Chris, we'll see you again next week, and yep. then we'll see you at GraniteCon. Awesome. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Chris Prue. The okay, Major General of Granite Con 2014. Mm-hmm. That's my official title, huh? It is now. <laughs> Thanks awesome. a lot, Chris. Get All back right, to you wrangling guys. your young ones. Yes. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. And no, now, seriously, goodbye! I bid you adieu. And now, the news. Yeah, I was fucking ready that time. That's like one in a row. You know what? You You know what? Bite me. (laughs) Nice job. Thank you. Zombrarian wanted to start the news tonight. She wanted to introduce Chris. She wants to start the news. I don't know. I'm a wealth of starting things tonight. (laughs) Okay. The question is whether I finish them. She's a great starter. Is she a good finisher? Go ahead. You're on. I don't know which of my news is to do. I I think Mr. Bomer is calling Mr. Bomer is very important. So Matt Bomer, who you probably know from White Collar, but who Dome knows from some weird obscure show. Space Station 76. Yeah, that one. Which you need to check out. Funniest goddamn movie I've seen in a while. Just saying. So that's what Dome knows him from. The rest of us, like, with (laughs) normal lives, know him mostly from White Collar, but also he, um, just last night, the night before, whenever the Emmys were, he won an Emmy for, um, his part in The Normal Heart, which was amazing, uh, but not really genre-related, and he's on Glee, because he is the most talented person ever and he can sing and he can dance and he's got these eyes and they're And why are we talking about it? Blue cuz he's Matt Bomer. No, 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 there's got to be an actual reason besides him. Sometimes you talk about things for no other reason than because you feel like it. But I actually do have a reason, and mm-hmm. that is that Matt Bomer, who is the world's most pe- perfect human, is going to be on American Horror Story this next season. That's kind of odd. Have you seen the previews for this thing? Yes. <laughs> and it is uh, disgusting and... Traveling horrible. freak show. Yeah. And hopefully we get to see Ryan Murphy try to explore themes of exploitation. <laughs> oh, Ryan Murphy. Because they did other themes so well. Mm. Well, and Ryan Murphy just knows so much about exploitation. I think it'll go well. Yeah, he doesn't have any privilege whatsoever, I hear. Oh, Ryan Murphy. But Matt Bomer is going to play... A character who Ryan Murphy described only as warped. That sounds promising. I'm so excited. Oh, good lord. 
Can, can at, I, least, at least it wasn't warped. Yes. Then, then he'd have a wrinkly forehead and just want to kill everyone. To, today is a good day to die. Except for Wesley Crusher, who he will read stories to and tuck in at night. Yes. In a not creepy way. Yeah, because he's Worf. So you you also, haven't even gotten up to the part in the next generation when he has a son, so... This is true. I remember his son, though, like, vaguely. God, where is that kid now? Can you imagine? I have no idea. Like, hey, who are you? Yeah, I was Alexander on Next Generation. You're like, whoa. No, you would go, whoa. I would, I would go, whoa, because, like, how messed up must that kid be? Like, kid, can you really make an informed decision about what you're doing at that age? No. No. No, you cannot. Do, do you remember, and this is going to take you back uh, a long time, to the very first con that I took you to, where you met Chris I've Golden. heard this story. Yeah, I was 11. I didn't Ta- take... Talking about messing up a kid? <laughs> I was fine. I, I was 11. Story. That's how much it made an impact on her. I was 11. I enjoyed every minute of it. I made the decision to go, but he was like five. You can't make an, an informed decision to be on a geeky TV show at five. Yeah, I know. Like, like, what if he hates space travel? Well, I mean, look at look at how Wesley Crusher dealt with it afterwards too. He actually dealt with it better than most. Wesley's Crusher. Wesley Crusher's real name being Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. And I mean, you know, he handled it in his own way, but he did go through a trashing it period. Yes, he did. Very heavily trashing it period. Yes, he did, but, you know, he was also fairly young. Yeah, these... Teenage rebellion. <laughs> that, that's true. Now now I'm looking this up. Like, who was this? It who? looks like Brian Bonsall. Am I, am I seeing that right? Sounds it was also like... on Family Ties. Oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Talk about 0 for 2 in, in any kind of safety zone there. <laughs> oh, Adorable that, child. He's not the kid who played Skippy on Family Ties, was he? No. I don't know. How did we get to Family No, he was Andy. No, oh, I don't know who Andy was. Because we were talking about Alexander, and apparently it's the same, same, same kid. kid. He hasn't worked since 1994, according to IMDb. Oh boy, he has tattoos now. <laughs> okay, well, what did I tell you? Oh my god, this is. Whoa, my god! All right, guys, I'm sending you the Wikipedia article in the chat so you could look at this. So um, and, and, and no, 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 this is like really interesting to me. Like he's he's like a he looks like he does heavy metal. Or Money. something. And for all that you would know, be a very Klingon does. thing to do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I'm surprised more oh, heavy metal bands crap. don't sing. Yeah, Klingon. see what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah, and he still lists himself as an actor. But he's only active as an actor from 86. Well, no, I mean, Wikipedia lists him. Like, he doesn't list himself that way. Well, probably because that's <coughs> why he's on Wikipedia, is because he was an actor. He only he was only in seven episodes of Star Trek, but he was yeah, on I mean, other things. Yeah, no, I know, but it seemed it, it always felt like he was in a lot more than that. Yeah, that's I think, true. Wasn't he on um, Deep Space Nine too? 
No. Uh, no. Or is that a different so, Klingon but... kid? No, that's a different one. He wasn't. He's not credited anyway if he was. Okay. No, that's it only shows him on next gen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, speaking of kids. Speaking of kids. And childhoods. And, and Matt and, Bomer? No, not about no, Matt Bomer. No, Alright, sorry. I got mixed up there. And conventions. Oh, good Christ. Yeah, we're, we're going to put a link to what is probably one of the sweetest videos we've ever put up. And it's basically Sesame Street does Comic-Con. And it is, you know, it's one of those things where you're going to see the link and you're going to go, why am I going to click this? And and why then this? you'll and then start it and it. then you'll stop it and watch Funeshi. No, you'll no because Tom Baker Muppet. That's yep. why. Nashi, yep. Nashi. Stop it with your Japanese baloney. I can't help it. Well, you I wonder what Japanese baloney is like. Do they have baloney in Japan? I don't know. I I, I never had it when I was there. Really? Really? Just came back from Japan. Were you looking for it? Because I certainly wasn't. <laughs> I was not not looking for that. Yeah, yeah look you for eat peanut butter. McDonald's every day. We did eat at McDonald's every day, and never then left the hotel. Yeah, we never left the hotel. We had Starbucks for breakfast, McDonald's for lunch and dinner. Uh, I did the McDonald's thing once. Uh, I, I remember I went up and, and I, I was so proud to try out my Japanese. And I, 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 want, I, I remember I went to order a soda, and I wanted a small soda, and I, and I, I racked my brain. What, what's the word for small? And meanwhile, the, the clerk is being very patient with me. Finally, I came up with chisai. And she looks at me like I am the dumbest guy on earth. And she says, Essu. <laughs> You've tried, and that's the important thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It absolutely is. So anyhow, speaking of trying, you're going to click on the link. You're going to do it. You're going to love it. Trust me on this one. So question for the cast. Who's actually seen episode eight, episode one of season eight, Doctor Who yet? We all have. I haven't. I'm really? I'm behind. I'm, I'm a couple of seasons behind. Whoa. Should, should I put my fingers in my ears? Yes. No. Yeah, well, <laughs> depends how sensitive you are. Eh, not very. So, what do we think? That Peter Capaldi's amazing. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Kriana, I'm shocked. Eh. <laughs> you know, he just, he just, I don't know. He needs some time. Yeah, but uh, frankly, we've said that about every doctor when they've walked in. Yeah, we have. Uh, and except for David Tennant because except for Tennant because the minute he hit the floor he was running with it and it was amazing yeah I mean it was just the first episode he hasn't really had time to do anything yet so we'll see I kind of really like the differences and I haven't been one to say that especially when we went from Tennant to Smith well and here here's why I think you like the differences because we went from when we went from Tennant to Smith, he got more manic depressive. And now he's a little more... He, he, he went on mood stabilizers, basically. He's very much more an introspective doctor. And I like that a lot. But so is David Tennant. He was just pretty. Is that his fault? No. 
and I like Tennant as Doctor as well. I I honestly can say right now that I didn't care for Smith. Uh, See, I liked him just in a different way. Who I didn't like was what's his face. I don't even remember his name because I hate him. Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, I don't like him in general. Well, it was a stretch for Eccleston because you know he's he's, he's played a dick. the villain. No, he's played the villain. Well, he's a dick. He, no, he's played <laughs> a villain in virtually everything he's ever done. And he's a dick. Stop! <laughs> Holy shit, you're annoying. I love you too. And the reality is uh, that he is responsible for resurrecting the franchise because had he done a poor job. It would not have been a David Tennant. I'm not so sure about that. Oh, I'm totally sure of it. Because I think he did do a pretty poor job. The ratings weren't great. The ratings have never been great. Yes, they were. No. This past premiere certainly was. Oh, this past premiere evidently was so, the best it's ever been. I think David Tennant did a lot to popularize the series. But if it hadn't been credible from the beginning, the tenant wouldn't have had the chance. Um, well, I don't think we can credit Christopher Eccleston with that. Oh, I do. I absolutely do. I abs- or at least it not not fully, but I absolutely disagree. I think people were a lot more skeptical of the reboot until Tenant got on board. They were like, yeah, watching it because we're Doctor Who fans and we missed the show from our childhood. And then when David Tennant got on board, like, people who had never seen the show really started to get on board. Yeah, I don't think it's quite that simplistic. I honestly don't. Also, Eccleston's a dick. Well, that's really not the point. We can just add him to the people who will never be on our show. show. (laughs) Because I've called them a dick. Thank you, George R.R. Martin. And who else is on there? I forget. The guy who killed the Star Trek. Oh, um, um, J. Neil J. Gaiman, J.J. Abrams, yeah, fuck you and all. Michael Bay. Oh, yeah. definitely <laughs> fuck him. Michael will never be on the show because we won't ask him or allow Very him. True. Yeah, and if he asked us, we would be like, no thanks. No. Thanks, but could you do a really good movie? Thanks, for- thanks for ruining my childhood and fuck you. And Transformers and And Turtles and fuck you. Yeah, there's that. <sighs> I wish there wasn't. I keep trying to forget about it. So True Blood's done. We're not caught up on that. Okay. And all I want to say is about about the final season, I'm not going to spoil anything, is that it had the chance to be much better than it actually turned out to be. Oh, True Blood's never been good. It's just been entertaining. Oh, it's been damned entertaining, though. You know, and, and that's fine. Just just yeah. be entertaining, know what you are, and don't try to be... But they stop, they actually stop towards the end of season eight, even being entertaining. And they had done such a good job after season seven, which essentially was 40 minutes of 12 episodes that really meant anything. Uh, to go into season eight, build nicely, be smart be sexy, be all the things that... There are only seven seasons. This is the seventh season was the last one, so... And my problem was that it it had every chance to do it, made all the right moves, and then blew it. So, I mean, I love the series. It was great fun, but it had a huge flaw in that it, it never met its potential. Which is a shame. 
See, and as our resident connoisseur of things that are so bad they're good, the <laughs> yeah. reason True Blood is awesome is because it's terrible. It's because it's terrible. It's transparent. The characters are two dimensional. Yeah, they they bring this like big bad up for an entire season, mm-hmm. and then they kill him in thirty seconds. Yeah. Yeah. This is why it's and good. done it every season. <laughs> yes, and this is why it's good. It takes very little effort to enjoy True Blood. And that's not always what you're in the mood for. But when you are in the mood to put no effort into your entertainment, that's when True Blood comes out and shines. Yeah, when you just want to see sex and blood and sex and blood, and you don't care who's having sex and who's bleeding, or both... And it's all... Out of context, that could be really bad sounding. Yeah. It's just a whirlwind (laughs) of senseless sex and violence. Which, you know, fun. You know what? You know how True Blood is deep? It is American TV culture epitomized. You don't have to think much, and it's just sex and violence everywhere. The end. Love Song Prairie. <laughs> well, Stephen Moffat not only was uh, talking about Doctor Who, but he was also talking about Sherlock uh, after the Emmys, because Sherlock won a crap load of them. Uh, as well, they should. As well, they should because they got they got aced out in the first two seasons. Season three, I think. Yeah, screw won. you, Academy. No, no, no. We kind of like the Academy. No, we don't. <laughs> um, Moffat's uh, quote, and and I love this. We have a plan to top season three, and our plan is so devastating that our cast was reduced to tears when we talked to them about it. Hmm. That could be good. Mark Gatsis and I are excited about what we have coming up because we're fanboys. Yay. Yeah, and I mean, that's what they need to be. How can he get it so hard for Sherlock and just... (sighs) Phone it in for Doctor Who. I know! Think about the ratio of male to female main characters. Possibly. Possibly. So, Kriana, mm-hmm. darling, have we figured out uh, how best to uh, do a poll yet? No. no. I haven't done a poll. Uh, Zombrarian, did you want to talk about Vin Diesel for a minute? I There's do want to ox- talk about Vin Diesel. There's an oxymoron if I heard one. I always want to talk about Vin No, I don't <laughs> always want to talk about Vin I was going to say, that's such a lie. But Speaking fine. of awesomely bad movies, The Fast and the The Furious, Mummy! Sorry. The first one. Like, the rest of them, you can take or leave. But the very first one, there's just something there. Anyway, so Vin Diesel who was the voice of Groot, is the voice of Groot in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Um, was asked to be, to do the Ice Bucket Challenge. Yes. 
Um, and instead of that, he's like, nah, you know what I'm going to do? Or maybe he did do it. I don't know whether he did it or not. It doesn't matter. Because then he was like, and I'm going to plant a tree for Groot. And posted a video of himself planting a tree. And then challenged the director of Guardians of the Galaxy to do the same thing. Very cool. So he's starting the next big wave of challenges. Plant a tree for plant Groot. Plant a tree for Groot. Okay. Well, you could do both. Yeah, I think he did do both. Well, well, maybe I was just thinking. plant the tree and then pour a bucket of ice over it? Yeah, that's the first thing you do when you plant the tree is you water it, right? <laughs> it's a good point. It's a very good point, actually. We can do that. Plant a tree for Groot, jump yeah. it with ice, and put, name it for Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I'm good with that. I'm absolutely... Don't water it with lemonade. I learned no. that. <laughs> and how old were you when you learned that one? College. <laughs> It was lemonade. The plant was dying. I didn't want to get up. Oh, good lord. The plant died. The plant died. Congratulations. It was supposed to represent my education. It kind of did then. Yeah, they told (laughs) us all about how alumni had had their... There were alumni who'd had their plants for like 20 years and... You weren't one of them. Nope. (laughs) I killed it dead. It was a cactus. Yeah. Oh, that's not easy. Or perhaps you I'm talented at killing. She, she is. She is talented. <laughs> We're at the halfway mark. You know, we've got to find some way to to delineate the halfway point in the show. Now that we don't have a poll. Uh, no, I wouldn't <laughs> use that. Uh, oh, you know what we should do? We we should get a couple of the voice actors to go, it's the halfway point, or something. Wow, and that's literal. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. That's literally it's, literal. It's literally literal? Okay. Our guest tonight was given to me by a mutual friend who said, you've got to read this. I he was did. given to you, wrapped in a bow, and nothing else. Be quiet. Thank you. <laughs> Nothing else. Really small. (laughs) John P. Murphy is a short fiction writer. He writes sci-fi, mystery, fantasy. He grew up in West Virginia. We're not holding that against him. He studied briefly in Japan. We're not holding that against him. Then moved to New Hampshire to get his doctorate in robotics. That we're holding against him. Okay. He currently works in the field of network security and writes. So, John, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, you've totally been had tonight, absolutely. So, <laughs> how does a network security guy write? Uh, how did you... How does anyone else write? Like, oh my god, that's like the worst question. All right, just forget that question, John. No, don't no you don't forget that question. John, how did, when did you first know you wanted to become a writer? Oh, gosh. Um, probably when I was about five or six. My parents still have somewhere the, the, these little books stapled together of uh, construction paper with really terrible drawings and even worse stories. <laughs> I so, think that's... Hmm? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, I think that's their retirement plan. Uh, if, I, if I make it big with this, they'll blackmail me to keep them off the market. Or sell them on eBay for millions of dollars. One or the yeah, other. either way, it works. So It's a good plan. So is, is, okay, first of all, the book that I was given is an anthology of three novellas. You're one of the three in it. The collection is called Alembical Three. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming there is also an Alembical One and an Alembical Two. Yep. Uh, all from Paper Golem Press. Okay. Um, how did you get your story put in this? Um, I submitted it uh, actually a couple of years ago. The, the whole process is, has taken a little while to come to market. Uh, I wrote the novella in the first place. Uh, I, I'm a member of an online writers group called Codex Writers, and uh, one of the editors at Paper Golem Press is too. And he did a, a novella contest in in Codex, and I entered that, and and, and did very well. And after after that was all done, he kind of pushed me to to finish it up, and I submitted it them, and they said, eh, not 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 quite. So we, we went back and forth, I think, three different rewrites before everybody was happy with it. Now, as, as part of this writer's group, uh, you'd clearly been writing since you were six, but science fiction is not your only field that you write in. Right. Um, the, 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 the online writer's group is mostly science fiction and fantasy. Uh, most of my short fiction is, too. I, I've written... I'm working on a science fiction mystery novel uh, right now. I've also had a number of short stories published in places like daily science fiction and cross-genres. In fact, my piece in cross-genres was also a science fiction mystery called The Body and the Bomb, and and a few other places like that. The title of the novella is Claudius Rex. Mm -hmm. And Claudius Rex is the story of Andrew Baldwin an ex-con private detective and his artificial intelligence implant Claudius Rex. Hmm? That sounds fun. It's set in a future Boston and I've got to say one thing about the setting. Um, There have been a number of TV shows uh, and other shows in which they use Boston as setting and they blow it because they get the, 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 the directions wrong. They say, look to the north and, and yeah, look, you can see Dorchester in the north. And I, no, you can't. Not from there. You're going the wrong way. Also, if you're looking for Dorchester, you're an idiot. That's right. <laughs> uh, Falling Skies in their first season did that horribly because they, they were based in Boston, and they got all the directions wrong, and they were looking in the wrong way, for, and it was just frustrating to somebody who knew that they were wrong. What I liked about the setting was that it's a future Boston. You get the directions right. You make sense of how it looks and how you navigate through it. So there, there had to be, from your point of view, an awful lot of, how do you get from here to there in Boston and make the, you know, acknowledge the correct landmarks and the correct streets and, and do that? Did that take a lot of editing on your part? 
Uh, some, but I, I've been, I've been spending a lot of time in Boston ever since I moved up to New Hampshire. So I'm mostly stuck to the areas that I already know. You know, I think a lot of it takes place kind of along the red line and a little yeah. bit in downtown Boston. <laughs> so, you, you know, you can kind of tell where, where my friends lived and where I go out to eat by the places that I know better. Uh, and, and of course, I get some leeway because it's set in the future. I, I tell people that it's set after they finish the Green Line extension. <laughs> that, that so in about 500 thing. years, right? Yeah, that should, that should keep me good for a while. Yeah. yeah. Which only kills my in, next only if you live in Boston is that funny. <laughs> exactly. Which kind of kills my next question, which was, why did you set it in Boston? I get that one now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I had told you earlier that we had given the book to some people to read on our staff. Uh-huh. And uh, Cam... Uh, actually came back with a bunch of questions. Uh, I have two questions for Mr. Murphy. First one was, who, were the, who was the inspiration for the characters? Because I definitely see Nero Wolf as Claudius Rex. Oh, yes. But I would love to know who he based Baldwin on. Spencer, which was the other reason I said it in Boston. Wow. That makes perfect sense. I mean, there, there's a lot of Archie Goodwin in there, too, but uh, I, I, I love the Spencer Mysteries. Robert Parker is one of my favorite novelists. And the second question that he has is, can I expect more from this duo? Uh, maybe. When I first wrote the novella, I intended it purely as a standalone. Uh, you, know, you don't see a lot of sequels to novellas, but in the time since then, I, I, I've been kind of kind of playing around with, with a few things. And uh, after you spend that much time in a character's head, and you, you've got to get really deep into a character in order to get that voice, in order to keep doing it, you kind of want to keep doing it. So I I am I, uh, partway into a sequel. I, I don't I don't know yet whether it'll see the light of day. Part of that'll depend on how this one does. But there, there's there's a good chance you'll see these two again. I, I think that would kind of be uh, a really really good idea to expand them out and also expand that universe of the future Boston because uh, it's this is one of the few future novels that has a dystopian tinge without feeling like you're being beaten to death with bad Blade Runner sequels. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I have the feeling, I, I never side entirely with the utopias or entirely with the dystopias. I kind of get the feeling that people are always going to muddle through. We'll, we'll screw things up, we'll, we'll get some things right, and we'll manage. So your character uh, reminds me of a lot well, there there have been a number of great science fiction detectives over the years, and it's funny that in the emails we threw back and forth. I don't know whether you mentioned uh, Daniil Olivar first or I did, but uh, he's one of my favorite favorite characters of all time. Uh, only only because of his his great inability to grasp the human condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really enjoy those. So who were your, inf- uh, clearly I think uh, that may have been one of the influences for this book as well. Who, who in your uh, science fiction roots were the influences to make this novella happen? 
Oh gosh, in in this uh, on the science fiction side, uh, you know, I've seen a bunch of uh, Nero Wolf homages in science fiction, and I was never really happy with any of them. I mean, they're they're good. Uh, I think Gene Wolfe had one where where everybody involved is a robot, and the Nero Wolf analog is growing mushrooms in the basement instead of orchids on the roof. Uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy those. Um, but Asimov is definitely one of my big, uh, big influences. It, 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 possibly that's why I got into robotics in the first place, is reading his robot uh, novels. And later I, I got into his uh, straight-up mysteries, which are all very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of those writers that has been a positive influence in so many different genres that it just scares you sometimes. He's yeah. my favorite! <laughs> the robot detective is my favorite! I know, that's why you would really enjoy this novella. I know. I mean, the one thing, the one thing that you've taken that really sets this apart is in the future you've set up a, a society in which everybody has gone from the personal computer to the smartphone to the AI implant. Yeah. I want one of those first. Just so you might want this one. Um, no, I'm pretty sure I do, even if I don't. <laughs> I mean, I've got Siri, and that's bad enough, but... Yeah? Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the, the generic AI implant name that you have is the Jeeves implant. Yes. And uh, all I can think of is that, that... At least it's not the dog pile implant. That would be yes, a hard one. <laughs> okay. The DuckDuckGo implant. What? <laughs> the AltaVista implant. What is this, a throwback? No, exactly. But it, I, Wait, I, I can go this. more throwback. Lycos. I remember Lycos. That's, remember that's that. yeah, well, dome your old. Shut up. Thank you. We know I'm old. <laughs> Geocities! Ah! <laughs> MySpace! <laughs> yeah, it's not that Thank old. You. Geocities is way older than MySpace. Oh my god, get it right. So, you've got this future where everybody has an implant. Run by in Yahoo! Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry! Sorry, that would be the most dystopian future you can imagine! <laughs> <laughs> Marissa Meyer puts the, the, the kerning of every single logo off just a little bit just to annoy everyone on the planet. Ooh. Ah, sorry. And it works. <laughs> yes, of course yeah. it works. It already works. We know. <sighs> sorry. I forgot where I was going with that. Sorry, dystopian future <laughs> Yahoo. Jeeves. Jeeves. Jeeves, that's where I was. And the artificial intelligence known as oh god Claudius Rex <laughs> Dome is bad with names this is one thing you should know about him what what did you say Jill sorry <laughs> is hidden Dr. Jill to you himself inside the Jeeves implant of Andrew Baldwin until it's time to investigate the murder of the creator of Claudius Rex. Yeah. And uh, this this is one of those stories that if I explain it too much, I give away an awful lot. So I really don't want to do that. Dome is literally speechless by the plot of this book. I like the I like it a lot. I gotta tell you. 
Well, thank you. Uh, it's, it's, it takes one of those great classic themes of sci-fi that have done, that's been done by the grandmasters many, many times and doesn't get derivative. It, it charts its own course and it does it well. I've got to tell you, one of the coolest parts of the book is when the two of them have rented the house and Andy sits down at a desk and Claudius goes, get out of my chair. <laughs> and, and I just sat there for a minute and I went, wait a minute, you're inside his head. What do you... And, and then he goes on to justify it by saying, it's my chair, you have yours. I expect, even if I'm not going to be able to sit there, it's my chair. Get out of my chair. And I, I just thought that was one of the greatest little moments in the book ever. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, that's kind of my take on Pinocchio syndrome. Uh, let's you, talk you, about that for a minute. Let's, let's talk about Pinocchio syndrome. Well, what is that for those of our so, listeners who don't know? So pretty much every, every episode with Data, you know, had him wanting to be human in some way. And here, here is Data, who, who is able to, you know, lift enormous objects, who, who can go out in space without a spacesuit. But he really wants to be human. He, he wants to be a real boy. That, that's, that's Pinocchio syndrome. And in the end, he's more human than any of us. <gasps> right. If you if you were to 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 tell Claudius Rex in the end you'll be more human than any of us he would hate you forever. That's not what he wants. <laughs> he, he wants the perks of being human. He wants to have all the stuff without having to, to deal with. So kind of like corporations. Yeah, a lot like corporations. You know they want their free speech and religious freedom, but none of the pesky murder charges. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if you haven't seen John Oliver's new show, yes, thank you so really much. should. I really enjoy it. Yeah, how did we get to last week tonight? Oh, that was easy with corporations. I, I mean, yeah. How do you not get to last week tonight? So when did when did you? How did you know that you were going to incorporate Pinocchio syndrome into this, or was uh, that like there from the beginning? Um. It wasn't quite there from the beginning. When, when I first started off, it was more of a, a straight-up uh, kind, of, kind of human pals with an AI. And then I, I sort of realized that that's, that's not how an AI would really look at things. You know, he, Claudius Rex is crammed into a very small space, is, is blind. You know, there, there's no cameras on there. It's just... Uh, well, why doesn't he get Google Glass? God! <laughs> oh, I'm hoping Google Glass will have died by then. I think we all. I don't. Are. I don't think we're going to be that lucky. But no, we're probably not going to be that lucky. But I, I just, as I as I revised and revised, I kept kind of putting myself in Rex's shoes, as it were, and, and thinking, you know, the, 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 this doesn't this doesn't make sense that he would care about these things. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, and I, I I had to justify to myself why does he care about humans being killed? Uh, and in know, the so, end, he really doesn't. Yeah, because he has no sense of that as a priority. Some humans, 
I, I, I think... I think by the end he he, he would care if Andy Baldwin. Were so I yeah. feel I feel like that's a particularly human trait. I mean, we all say we care when someone we don't know dies, but do we really? In most cases, I don't think so. Yeah. Does that make us yeah. all monsters? Maybe. Well, not necessarily, though. Uh, you know, I, I, I and it's. it's... Okay. Oh, go there goes Dome. I no. Think. Oh, I think. On. Sorry. Go for it. Don't. No, I, I just, I just think that in, in many ways, this isn't as much a, a, a Blade Runner movie as it is a buddy cop movie more than anything else. It's not the a movie. I just like to get that straight. It's, it's a novella. I get that, but you, you understand where I'm going with this. It's yeah. more of a buddy story than it is because they do come to have a grudging respect for each other yeah yeah that's true so cam is chanting sequel in the chat room (laughs) (laughs) i knew cam would be in the chat room tonight ask cam did i get it right (laughs) well i i'm sure he'll say in a minute because i think Ustream is lagging a little behind the rest of us here. So, John, what's coming up for you in the next couple of uh, months slash years in terms of writing? Um, well, first, I'm going to be at my very first Granite Con uh, in two weeks now. And we'll see you there. Absolutely. We'll be yes. there, too. Yeah, I was really excited for the bit at the beginning there. It's like, oh, great, inside information. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's see, I've, I've got another uh, novella that I'm shopping around right now. Um, it, th- this one's set in New Hampshire. It, it's, a, it's a fantasy, not, a, not science fiction. And I am working, I'm putting the finishing touches on a science fiction novel with, with different characters. And like I said, I've, I've been kicking around a, a sequel to Claudius Rex. The, the working title is The Wrong Client, and uh, the, the premise is that Rex has been hired to investigate the disappearance of an anti-AI activist. Ooh, nice. Well, I, I've got to tell you, uh, the mutual friend who, who sent me your information uh, has, has never steered me wrong yet, and... and still continues to uh, surprise me with uh, the quality of the people that, that he sends. I am an, an absolute fan of your writing. I think it's, it's smart. It's, uh, it's very crisp, and, and it's, it's a good, fun read. Uh, our guest tonight is John P. Murphy. He's uh, a writer. We'll have links to, I wish I could pronounce the name of this uh, <laughs> anthology alembical alembical three we'll have the link to where you can pick that up i would suggest you do it it's a really cool read you'll enjoy it and uh john thank you so much for joining us tonight no thank you for having me it was a lot of fun people say that and then we never hear from them again but that's okay (laughs) kriana my darling what do we have coming up in the next couple of weeks Wow, our site is really slow. Um, well, on the on September sixth, we have 
Arthur Vinci. I thought there's an author for a minute, and then I was like, no, no, Arthur. And he produces and directs um, the independent movie Found in Time. And then on September 20th, we're talking to the wonderful, talented, famous author Timothy Zahn. Which yeah, some haters said we could never do. Ron. And they were wrong. Just kidding. <laughs> Hearts for Ron. <laughs> well, I mean, he did say that, and we totally proved him wrong, but, you know. That's okay. <laughs> Something else you'd like to say? Well, yes, Cam um, Cam would like John to know that he will see you at Granite Con, ah, but not in a creepy way. <laughs> There's a jar for that idea. There, there is a jar for that. All right, so Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music is provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. Tonight's intro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold the Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Dome? I want to thank Chris, Answer the Damn Phone, Prue, and John P. Murphy for joining us tonight. I want to thank our cast. I want to thank Cam in the chat room. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and Grammar Girls on Brand. Thank you both, ladies. Yashi, yashi. I don't care who started it. I'm finishing it. Thanks, Mom. Oh, Lord. We're going to keep going at this all night long. <laughs> this, this is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. I know.